just have a little uh, quick kind of SFBC update. Uh, if you were a part of the church family meeting, you'll recall that our elder, um, uh, Albert Lee, he gave us an update of, of um, when we will return. And um, at that time, uh, and even now, we're still on the same side and that we want to wait a little bit longer. Um, just because we uh, we want to make sure everything is safe uh, before we return. Uh, we're, the elders are going to meet this coming Wednesday to talk about uh, just certain things regarding current events and how are we supposed to interpret some of the things that are happening. happening. Um, I think some of you guys are, are aware of what's going on at Grace Community Church. Um, we're, I, just, I do want to say that we are not, we are in agreement with what they say, but in terms of what, how we would go about everything, um, we're, we still have to discuss it. Um, I think, uh, we understand that, and even Grace Church understands too, that every church is autonomous in that way, and that um, we are operating off our elder board. You know, John MacArthur doesn't have authority over our church. Uh, we have much love and respect for them, and a lot of, even personally, a lot of the people there, the elders, and even some of the members are still, you know, they're my friends, you know, they're mentors, and uh, they're near and dear to my heart. Uh, so, just I just want to say that to kind of give, um, I just I want to clear up some confusion, like if John MacArthur is doing something, does that mean our church is going to do something? Uh, we haven't decided yet, um, but at least for now, uh, we do want to continue on um, just meeting online just to make sure that everything is safe before we, we return. Um, but that could change because our elder meetings next week. Uh, with that said, I do want to also say that, um, you know, when, when this, all the shelter in place began, none of us knew that it was going to last this long. Um, I think part of the reason why we didn't push any discussion groups on Fridays as much or even small groups throughout the week is mainly because we thought this thing would end in a matter of days or at least a month or two. Uh, but because of all the stuff that's going on and all the spikes and everything, um, there's a chance this might be going on for a while. Uh, and if, if that's the case, that means that as a church and as a Bible study, I do want to encourage all of us to consider um, whether it's Friday nights or uh, you know Friday discussion groups or some sort of small group throughout the week that all of us get plugged in somehow. Um, because uh, if we can't meet, then it, it, it takes a lot more effort and a lot of uh, more discipline for us to meet people throughout the week. And it's important for all of us to meet, uh, whether you're FaceTiming someone or having a phone conversation, these things are all a means of grace by which the Lord gives us to encourage us. And um, our elder uh, said that, you know, the CDC gives us a, a guideline that we can go outside and meet. So if you have a group of friends, you guys can still meet in person, um, you know, outside someone opens and you could just look up online what the regulations are or guidelines are. Um, my hope is that you get that you that you get plugged into one another. That we uh, do our best to be in each other's lives, um, whether it is the Friday night discussion groups or if you have different small groups throughout the week. Uh, as long as you have someone in your life that's caring for you, uh, that's walking alongside you during this time, um, that's just my encouragement. I know that. Usually on Friday nights after the message, there's like a big drop off and I'm not going to judge or like uh, make you feel guilt trip you or anything because I understand sometimes we're just zoomed out. Like we're like tired of looking at the screen and um, or you already have different groups throughout the week and uh, it's, it's really taxing on you physically and, and you know, in your eyes. I'm sure by the time we all get to go see an eye doctor, you'll say, hey, your, your eye is worse than last time. So like, yes, because of all the screens. Um, so I don't want to guilt trip you, but I do want to encourage you that it is part of the command of scripture that we care for each other that we do our best to meet uh and whether you meet on friday night for discussion group if that's the best if that's the only time the best time for you to um 
to fellowship with other people and have people pray for you, that's great. If, if you have other groups throughout the week, if you're another, if you're part of another small group like T2 or, or men's ministry, that's totally fine as well. I don't really uh, mind as long. The only thing I care about is if you're not plugged in at all. And um, my hope is that you do get plugged in. Uh, there are a lot of people that in our church that, that love to pour into you. And if you have any questions, feel free to talk to me or any of the admin guys, and we'd love to get you uh, plugged in um, to the church as best as we can during this time. Okay, great. Uh, so let's start with a word of prayer as we go into our message. Heavenly Father, I'm grateful for your word, uh, your timeless word that gives us security and um, strength and um, encouragement during times where it's very hard. And Lord, we ask uh, as we go through your word now that we strive to be mature believers, um, that we don't um, just take your word for granted or that we just learn things for sake of learning or head knowledge, but we think critically about how we can apply it to our lives. Uh, Lord, be with us now, particularly with this message that can be uh, somewhat confusing, especially in our time or definition of things. Um, and may we have a biblical clarity on how to care for those that are in need. Thank you for uh, your word and this time. Uh, I pray these things in your son's name. Amen. So go through the book of Proverbs. The proverb deals with how we are to live in a fallen world. This message isn't so much about how to not be poor. Uh, this, this message is about, although we're going to have that, we're going to have a, a sermon on work and money. Um, that's going to be down the line. Uh, but uh, today we're really going to talk about how we are to care for the poor. Uh, in our culture, much is written and much and a lot of money is spent on how to alleviate poverty in the world. And the world tries to figure out how to stop poverty, but fails to do so mainly because it can't come to a general consensus on what is the best approach. <clears throat> the Bible actually gives us an understanding on first how we are to view the poor and then general principles and how we should care for the poor. And that's how we're going to go about it. Uh, this message tonight is going to be a lot more topical and we're going to jump from scripture to scripture and we're going to go and land back and we're starting Proverbs, go through some scriptures and then go back into uh, the book of Proverbs. Someone just messaged me. <laughs> uh, I should turn off my messaging. Anyways, uh, so this book, Solomon is the writer and he wants to um, teach his son how to be a wise and good king. How can you be a good king that, um, that honors the Lord and, 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 and gives stability in your kingdom. And uh, Solomon wants to teach his son these things so that um, he will be, that, that, you know, so he could be a good king. Um, we know throughout the, the history portion of scripture that he fails to do so, uh, but that doesn't mean that these truths are not true and they're helpful even to our time. Proverbs helps us understand how we are to engage everyday life, how we're supposed to engage every facet of life. Uh, we are not to only know what a wise person looks like, but we are to think deeply about how these things um, can apply to our life so that we can, so people can know us by our actions as well. Remember in the, uh, the very first message, I talked about how maturity, wisdom, adult, and holiness are in one category, and that's a sign of a, a, a growing godly individual, whereas immature, foolishness, childish, and even sinfulness are in the other category. You are in one of the two. You're either growing in, in God, godliness, or you are growing in your image or your I guess not really growing but I guess you I guess you could grow in your mature you just become more foolish and more childish and more sinful and part of growing up is that you know how to engage the world that you look at scripture you meditate upon it and you think about how am I supposed to do this in my everyday life you meditate deeply and then you you act on it and the mature Christian a mature Christian must look differently from the rest of the world um, the world has their own sets of rules 
and and they have their own sets of um, ideas on how they need to engage the world but the christian has something even better unlike the world unlike the things um from the world that uh constantly changes based on the 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 times the the bible is timeless these these passages apply to solomon back then it applies to us today and this message really is just to have is to is designed to help us to have a biblical understanding of the poor the needy uh, those that are um, not as fortunate as some of us um, i think a mature christian knows how to honor the lord in the way that they think and respond to those that are poor and, I t- and again i tend to give a, a, a balanced view i don't want to give um, here's all this doctrine and no action i don't want to give all the action without any doctrine um, you need to have both i believe that um, in our church in our reform thinking we tend to be more on the, the knowledge side and less of the application so my hope is to give us a better balance than that but in order to that i need to give some clarification on how the bible describes the poor um, and i'll give and then later on i'll give some general principles on how we can apply it uh, we're going to start in proverbs as i said go through and then go and then go jump around throughout scripture and then we'll end in proverbs and my hope again is to inform you so that you know how to be a mature believer so you know how to care for people and it's just a first i guess if you were to take if you're taking notes just a first general uh rule in the scripture is, is um how does god design uh the rich and the poor in order for christians to care for people they must understand that the poor and the wealthy are both made in the image of god even the poor in our world uh, which seems to have nothing to offer to us if you if you're you know if you have any type of wealth um a poor person may seem like they have nothing to offer but they're still made in the image of god we see this in genesis 1 that all man is made in the image of god though net worth of someone does not allow any of us to mistreat any mistreat anyone just because a person is wealthy doesn't mean that we're going to have some sort of reverence for them and just because someone's poor doesn't mean that we can be rude and mean to them god made all mankind in the image as image bearer regardless of where they stand economically uh there must be a baseline understanding that uh it may be hard for us to grasp especially in our culture that god is ultimately the one that decides the wealth of a person he is actually the one that decides and determines uh for each and every single one of us who's going to be rich and who's going to be poor i mean we're going to look at our first passage here in proverbs chapter 14. so you turn there proverbs chapter 14 verse 31 it says this he who oppresses the poor taunts his maker but he who is gracious to him gracious to the needy honors him proverbs 17 5 he who mocks the poor taunts his maker he who rejoices at clam will not go unpunished in proverbs 22 verse 2 the rich and the poor have a common bond the lord is the maker of them all and this does mean that a, a, a poor person, a rich person, they're both made image God, even, but even their status, even where they're at uh, financially, it's because of God's sovereign plan. Now, the Bible does speak about hard work and wealth. The Bible is not against people that, uh, that have wealth. Um, it, in fact, the Bible seems to indicate at times that the wealthy people are the ones that, are, that hate God the most. And it's the poor people that loves the Lord. And we see that even in the, in the time of the New Testaments. But as Christians, we must understand that uh, what you and others have or don't have is because god has designed it for you to be in a state that you're in uh and whether you're wealthy or poor you can still honor and dishonor the lord um because of how you react to things contrary to what the world has to say about the rich and the poor especially the poor um a person gets into poverty ultimately because god is sovereign he placed them there again this doesn't mean that the value of the person is less just because they are they don't have any money in their bank accounts 
it would just it would be a mistake uh, for Christians to sin or judge someone based on how much money they make. And we see we might jump to this passage, but if you go write down James chapter two verse one to four, James talks about that, like how we are not supposed to show favors to those that are uh, wealthy and 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 treat, mistreat the poor. We can't have this type of uh, impartial love because God is impartial. Um, you have wealth because God gave it to you, and you're poor because God has also given that to you. And now that seems harsh because we live in a world that doesn't understand how to use money to glorify the Lord. So first thing we need to understand about the poor and the wealthy is that God made them both. And both are call, still called to honor the Lord no matter what state they're in. Throughout the scriptures, you'll see different characters that go from rich to poor and rich to poor. And they can still both be honoring to the Lord. So it's not, the, it's not wealth that determines whether or not uh, you can glorify the Lord. But really, it's a heart attitude. The amount of wealth that you have does not determine the amount of faith that you have in the Lord. I don't know if you ever met anyone that said things like, oh, if I only had X amount of dollars, or if I only had a certain amount of, <clears throat> if I only had a certain amount of wealth, then I would believe. And, um, and we know that that's not true. Uh, and I've read and I've, I've talked to many people that believe that once you get rid of poverty, uh, then people believe in the gospel. And then somehow, magically, when they have money in their account and money in their wallet, then they're going to start believing in the Lord. And that's not always true because we know that many rich people hate God. There are a lot of rich people in the world that are haters of God. And uh, even Jesus' ministry seems that, again, the poor are the ones that, are, are, that understand that their physical need is, is an extension of, this will show them that there is a, a, a greater spiritual need. Uh, Matthew 5 says, blessed are the poor in spirit. It's supposed to give them a picture of those that are, that are poor. That, that, that in order for you to get into the kingdom, you need to be poor in spirits. Again, this doesn't mean that we're called to mistreat the poor, as we'll see later on. It's just the reality of life. Living in a fallen world, there are going to be people that are wealthy, and there are going to be people that are poor. And as mature believers, we need to understand how we're to treat those, not only in authority with like reverence or, or peers with respect, but we also need to be loving to those that are in need. Again, because uh, God is a compassionate God, and we need to reflect that. And we're all called to do these things because everyone is made in the image of God. Now that we understand that God is one who designs both the wealthy and the poor, uh, let's look at another truth in scripture. Uh, that uh, the first way you understand how the Old Testament views the, the poor and then the New Testament. So the first part is the, how does the Old Testament people uh, view the poor? What, what was God's plan for the poor in the Old Testament? God's plan for the Old Testament or God's plan for Israel was that Israel would be uh, this focal point. Uh, the people were supposed to live in this one particular land of Israel. They're supposed to live uh, faithfully to the Lord. And as they're faithful, as they continue to devote their lives to the Lord, uh, they will be prosperous. Um, the word peace in, in the Hebrew is the same idea of, of prosperity. It's the same word. And the idea being that you will have peace because you'll be prosperous. Uh, the money, the thing, like all your land, all the animals, they will grow, all your, um, uh, they'll grow in fat and like, you know, all your animals will be good to eat and all your harvest, they'll always be good. And um, when people of the world looks at Israel, they will say, wow, that God is the real God. Remember, God, the Yahweh of the Old Testament, is competing against things like Baal worship that claims that oh, if you worship our God, then we'll give you crops, so we'll give you rain, so that you can uh, have your, you know, have a harvest in your farming. But God said, like, no, all of these other gods are fake, and I'll demonstrate that by your faithfulness. If you're faithful to me, I will bless you guys, and then as you guys uh, are become prosperous, the world will look to you and want to worship your God. Now we know throughout the Old Testament that doesn't ever 
happened, not because God is not true, but the Israelites were unfaithful. There are glimmers of that here and there. Uh, so with individuals and maybe certain events, um, I think Solomon himself was the evidence of that. He was, uh, he was faithful. He, uh, he was faithful for a time. <laughs> Excuse me. And the whole world wanted to learn from him. People traveled all over the world to hear the wisdom from Solomon. And uh, they saw how wealthy he was. It even said like silver was just like rocks to them. They have so much money and wealth that silver was like, oh, just, oh that's, like, that's like old money. I, like, we have all this other, it's, it's like they have Bitcoin now in, in modern day terms. Like, they're, they're way more valuable things relative to like I don't know, Venezuela money or whatever. <laughs> but, um, you know, they, the, when Solomon was at his peak, they were super wealthy and the whole world saw them and they realized that their God is the one true God. Uh, another instance where we see that is when we were going through Judges or Ruth. Um, Ruth was an individual that was a non-Christian and she was um, cared for by Boaz. And Boaz was a faithful individual. Uh, what the Old Testament was supposed to do in terms of how they care for the poor in and out of the... Uh, in and out of Israel is that they make all these crops and they're supposed to leave the corners and the edges out for the poor. That means like, okay, here's places that you can't farm. Everywhere else you can farm, but leave the corners so that other people that are uh, less fortunate are, will be taken care of. And again, that's supposed to demonstrate that, uh, that God is a good God, that God cares for the poor. We see this in Leviticus chapter 19, verse 15. They're called not to mistreat the poor. Deuteronomy 15, verse 4 to 11 does the same, has the same instruction that um, that you need to care for those that are, are that are poor, and that was interesting. Is that the Israelites? You know, they have this system where you can be poor for a while, and you can even sell yourself into slavery. And then after seven years, you're supposed to uh, be free from it. Or if you're in some sort of debt, uh, you're supposed to you, you have to like owe it. But after seven years, uh, the year of jubilee, all of that's canceled out. Uh, again, the, that shows how prosperous they are. That they could cancel complete debt, and they are still not gonna. Um, it's not gonna affect them economically. Uh, but we know that because of Israelites' unfaithfulness, because they start worshiping other gods, they fail to do this system, the system that's supposed to care for not only Israel, but the, but the, the, the rest of the world. Uh, so there was a system in which God pl had place there for Israel to care for those that are poor, whether it's uh, inside uh, Israel, as in Jewish people or Gentiles as well. So that's the Old Testament. God's plan for the poor in the Old Testament is that Israel is supposed to stay in one place, be faithful to the Lord, and then theirs will be a blessing to the rest of the world. Now, what is God's plan for the poor in the New Testament? God's plan for the poor, for the church, for us, is unlike the Old Testament. The Old Testament, they're supposed to stay in one area and supposed to be this like shining beacon to the rest of the world. But for us Christians, we're called to go out, go out into the world and make disciples of all nations. That's Matthew 28. Matthew 5 tells us that we need to be salt and light into the world. Um, so we need to go out. Our lives should not be isolated in uh, one area or one zip code. We should go wherever the Lord places. Wherever you are, you're supposed to faithfully represent Christ. The Christian are supposed to go out of their comfort zones and invite people to the kingdom of God. The God's instruction for the poor, <clears throat> there are two categories, just like uh, Israel. There's those that are inside and outside uh, the covenant group. The church as well. There are those that are believers and they're non-believers. So we'll start with the believers. For the believers in the church that are poor, um, the church as a whole needs to care for them. Uh, their, their needs needs to be met. Um, and the fellow members and even the church as a whole is supposed to care for those that are poor in the church. Um, and yeah, I think our church does a really good job. We've done this in the past where we've had churches, you know, we have, we get like sometimes emails from other like like-minded churches that say, hey, we, we went through some sort of calamity. Can you guys help us financially? 
or, or we're aware of certain churches that go through certain calamities and we're willing to support them financially because um, you know, we see their need. Uh, there's a need and we're willing to give to them. Um, and you know, we, that's a biblical principle as practice. Uh, we see in, in Philippians when um, Paul I and mean, the Philippian church sent, sent people to minister to Paul. He sent Timothy and Epaphroditus to go and give this money to someone who's in prison. And in the book of Acts, we see how the church as a whole, uh, they're willing to sell all of their things so that everyone's needs are cared for. Um, so that's the inside the church. Inside the church, um, it should, there shouldn't be anyone that are in need because we should be willing to give whatever we need because we need to take care of our own because we are a family. We are one family. We're the family of God. But what about those that are outside the church? Inside the church, we have a uh, all of these uh, scripture that tells us that we need care for them, and I'll get to them in a sec. But what about those outside the church? Interestingly, interestingly enough, there actually is no explicit commandment from the Lord to care for the poor outside of the church. There isn't like a, a, a command of saying, okay, the mission of the church is to go alleviate poverty. That's what I mean. Uh, there is no uh, uh, explicit command of saying, okay, you need to get rid of poverty in order uh, to represent me in the world. Uh, the main mission of the church, and it's important for us to understand, the main mission of the church is to win people, uh, is to win the loss to, to, to the gospel. Um, uh, every command in the New Testament that speaks of the poor is first primarily to the church. So whenever you read like Galatians uh, uh, chapter 2 or at the end where, it, where Paul is instructed to go and minister to the poor, he's, they were actually speaking of the church, uh, church members that were in, in need. Um, by the same time, that does this mean that we don't care for those uh, that are poor outside the church? No, that's not what it means. So which gets to our next point. What's God's plan for God's people now for the poor? Again, uh, in, the, in the context of our church now, this means that we have liberties uh, in that we are uh, we're to care for the poor. We, sh we should have a heart for them. We should be broken by um, individuals that are broken because they're, again, made in the image of God, afflicted by sin. And we must have compassion for the needy. And the evidence of our compassion is that uh, we're, first we care for the poor in the church, and then we're, uh, we go beyond the bounds and care for those outside the church. Um, one, of our, one of the spiritual gifts that's listed in scripture is called mercy and giving. Uh, that means that some of you are going to be uniquely gifted to have desire to care for the less fortunate, both inside and outside the church. Um, the Lord's working in your heart as you, as you study scripture that, hey, the Lord's gifted you uniquely to go and minister to the poor. Some of you guys are going to make a lot of money and you have a desire to care for those that are poor in the church and outside the church. Um, and that's good. That's how, uh, that's how the body is made up. There's going to be different parts of the body, different members that can do different things. Um, all of us should have a, a compassion for the poor, but some of us are going to be uniquely gifted to care for the poor. Uh, some of us just know how to communicate with uh, people that are less fortunate. You know, it's a whole different game. Like I've preached in the tenderloins and places in LA and you need to, you need to have like a different level of patience with them because they don't really make sense. Most of the time they're talking, you know, they're some of the people in SF, especially uh, even <coughs> parts of LA, they're like, you know, they're drugged out and stuff. So you have to be really patient and slow and communicating. Uh, and sometimes you have to repeat yourself. Um, and yeah, yeah, all of us should have patience, but some of us are uniquely gifted so that we can communicate truth that's simple enough for people that are, you know, the homeless to understand. Um, again, we should all be growing the areas, but some of us are ahead of others in, in this area, and it gives us a unique opportunity to minister to the poor outside the church. Um, well, not all of us are gifted 
to be able to uh, care for the needs because some of you guys aren't going to make that much money and you might not be able to give as much to those outside the church or to you know to uh, you know, give to type of mercy ministries uh, but you can still minister them through prayer you can still pray for those that are doing these things much like we support missionaries uh, not all of us are called to be missionaries but some of some missionaries are uniquely gifted to translate bibles so they go somewhere and we should support them we should be praying for them we should be praying for their endeavors we should support them financially uh, a term that's often used called holding the rope, meaning that we, we're holding them so that they can go and do the mission on our behalf. Uh, so we should be praying for individuals uh, that, that have a unique giftedness and ability to care for the poor and meet those, um, and meet those needs. So we should support and care for them. I think uh, even our church now, we have Foster the Bay. That, that This all started when different individuals in our church wanted to foster, do foster care. Um, they want. They had a desire to care for the, the, you know, all the kids in the foster system. They wanted to be a good testimony to them, and hopefully to even have a desire to win the parents uh, to saving faith. And these uh, families and different individuals work together, and now we have three families that are part of this uh, foster the bay, and they're like bringing, you know, they're like they have kids in and out just so that they can uh, care for them. And that's great. They have a desire for something, and then they acted on it. They they prayed about it. They acted on faith, and the Lord has blessed them. Um, and that's really for us. I think that's in our church in particular. We need to, I think at times I, I'd like to challenge us in this way, in this area. Um, are there areas or of either other people uh, in the church or outside the church that are in need? Um, and then the Lord placing you to serve in. Um, what are your gifts? You know, what are things in, in your life? I know our church is not particularly strong in evangelism. I think our church is really good. Again, in terms of doctrine, we're really good at that. Uh, but we need to go beyond that because how are we supposed to be a light in the world if we're just kind of sheltered? I know we're sheltered in place now, um, or you know, even before this, you know, we just uh, stay in our Christian bubble. Uh, we need to go out into the world. Uh, some of you guys are going to be uniquely gifted to go and reach out the poor. And that's what Christ talked about in terms of in certain parables that you should just go find the poor people because they're the ones that are actually going to listen. The rich people, they're going to ignore you because they are in love with their money. They trust their money. But those that are poor, those that are afflicted, they're actually gonna—they're actually interested in things of eternal significance. So, my hope and my challenge for all of us is that uh, the Lord will open our eyes to this, to our surroundings, wherever we are. We're, I know we're all over uh, the SF area or the peninsula, wherever we are, that the Lord will, will make us um, aware of our surroundings and minister and and have and think about creative ways to have ministry opportunities. Our life is not our own, and we should be willing to ex expend ourselves for the sake of the gospel. Um, and if you and if you feel if you feel compelled to care for the poor and the people outside the church, um, you should exercise those spiritual gifts and the resources that God has given you. And all of us, especially in a materialistic society, struggle in terms of uh, giving to those that are in need. Uh, it's because we love to acquire things and focus on our own financial stability instead of those that are in need. Now. I, I understand, and when we think of poor in, in SF context, it's like a different level of poor. I think the poor people in SF is way, it's like wealthy compared to like third world countries. Like whenever I was preached in SF, I see like people with like smartphones that are better than mine. I'm like, how'd you get this? Like, did you steal or did you actually like buy this? Um, but it's like a whole different world. And, and I remember just going to these places and preaching and it's hard because my heart, I see them like doing drugs right in front of the place. Um, the place that I preach at, but I still have to realize that, hey, if it wasn't for God's grace, I will be just exactly like them. Uh, I'll be loving my sin and, and showing it off. But because of God's grace in my life, I need to repent of that and then care for those that need the gospel. 
And I think that's where a lot of us are. We like to look down on SF because yeah, there are a lot of social structures like care for the poor and all of that. And um, you know, we're very liberal in our state. So we, we like elevate the poor, but um, we have to understand that these poor people, uh, they need love that transcends what the government can offer. We need to give them the love that's shown in Christ. Uh, now that we've spoken of general understanding of the poor that's revealed in scripture, now let's get to the book of Proverbs. And that's all introduction, that's all intro. Um, so how are we supposed to do this? What, what does the book of Proverbs have to say in terms of how are we to treat the poor? So I have three points. First is that we need, to be, we need to show kindness towards the poor. We need to be kind towards the poor. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 20 to 21. Uh, the poor is hated even by his neighbor, but those who love the rich are many. This is just, again, general principle, general reality. People love rich people, they hate poor people. Um, 21, he who despises his neighbor's sins, but happy is he who is gracious to the poor. Uh, and if you jump down to verse 31, I, I read this earlier, he who oppresses the poor taunts his maker, but he who is gracious to the needy honors him, meaning honors the Lord. The proverb begins by stating a sinful reality, reality of life, that there are, are going to be people in the world that hate other people strictly based on uh, where they're at social, uh, economically and love those that are wealthy. Uh, the, rich the rich person has sufficient material possessions and is incredibly wealthy, but is morally bankrupt. The issue, again, here isn't wealth, uh, because throughout the proverbs, Solomon speaks on how you can actually be wealthy through hard work. Uh, but it's those that are rich without God that is the problem. Uh, they are wealthy, and in their wealth, they despise those that are not as fortunate. Yet in verse 21, uh, those that despise uh, the, uh, their neighbor sins against the Lord. And this word despise, it, it means just that. It means they hate. A person is blessed or happy, is NASB translated happy, but the word also can mean blessed. The idea is that... Uh, when we're gracious to the poor, we, we find joy in it because that's how our God is. He is gracious to those that are poor. Um, and then when we care for those that are in need, we are really being the, the hand of God to minister to those that are in need. Uh, those that are considered blessed in the Old Testament, particularly in the wisdom literature, seem to have a relationship with God. Uh, and if you recall what I said earlier, that in the Old Testament, those that are faithful to God, they'll be blessed by God and they'll be prosperous. Uh, the same idea here that believers have a have a unique love for everyone because we understand how we are loved by the lord and that's different from the world the world's love is superficial it's it's it goes away quickly it changes over time uh, but god's love is this constant uh, it doesn't change and uh, that's how we are supposed to be uh, this means that when the person uh the person who gen genuinely has a love for the lord uh, will have a genuine love for the poor as well because we um we understand that our god is a loving god uh, we're gracious to those that are poor because we understand that we have a relationship with a gracious God. Uh, a person demonstrates maturity uh, by there is a relationship. Uh, how a person can know they're mature in the Lord is how they treat other people. And, you know, the greatest commandment, love, uh, love your Lord with all your heart, mind, soul, and love your neighbors as yourself. So this includes poor people. How you treat them is a reflection of how you view the Lord and how you view his word. A mature person has to understand that everyone's made in the image of God and that God is gracious to them, and yet God commands his people to love their neighbor. Again, this is, this is expanded even in the New Testament. The New Testament says that if you love God, you will keep his commandments, that you will love your neighbors. These are just uh, general biblical principles in terms of how we need to love one another. Um, 
jump over to Proverbs 19, verse 17. Proverbs 19, verse 17, it reads, One who is gracious to a poor, poor man lends to the Lord, and he will repay him for his good deeds. Um, a faithful follower of God <coughs> will care for the poor. And in this passage, the implication is that the Lord will return the blessing to those that care for the poor. A mature believer is someone that is kind to the poor. An immature believer focuses on their own comfort and fails to recognize that all that they have is from the Lord and is supposed to be used to, to glorify God. The poor is also in a situation because God, God placed them there and their lack of wealth is also because the Lord placed them there. Um, and if we humbly acknowledge that God's hand is over all of our lives, we can't help but treat each other in the way that God wants us to treat us. Um, in God's eyes, we are all poor, yet God is kind to us. Romans chapter 2 verse 4 tells us that, um, that the kindness of the Lord is what leads us to repentance. And sometimes when we're ministering to the poor, when you show kindness to them, they will eventually be interested in hearing the gospel. Now, don't get me, don't, don't get it wrong. I'm not saying that like you have to keep being nice to them and, and, and then somehow they'll magically appear in, uh, into your church and believe Christ. No, you have to be willing to share the gospel with them. The way that you care for the poor is just a means by which gives you an avenue to pour into their life. Um, so that's what we're supposed to do. We shouldn't look down on those that don't have much and we need to, and it first begins in our own heart. We need to have a kindness towards the poor. You won't be able uh, to do the rest of the two points that, that we have if your heart is not right, if you don't have a kindness towards them, if your disposition to them is disgust and hatred and, and annoyance, then you're not gonna do the, the, um, the other principles that's gonna, that's gonna show up in scripture. And then again, the first one is, is all in the heart. It's all in the kindness that, that, that start, starts from within and it pours out into the way that we care for other people. Uh, and again, there are, again, it has to be with the heart because there are many wealthy people that give to the poor, but they have no love for them. They have no kindness towards them. They don't show any kindness towards them. And we must not view the poor in the same way. We must have a heart for them because the poor, again, is made in the image of God. Not only are the poor, um, not only are we to be kind to the poor, <laughs> but we must go beyond what's in our hearts and now act on that kindness by being generous to the poor. Our second point, be generous to the poor. Proverbs 11, verse 25. The generous man will be prosperous and he who waters will himself be watered. Um, this is the idea that you just keep caring for other people and the Lord blesses you. It's kind of like what the last passage is saying, that uh, the Lord returns it. Uh, there is a, uh, a unique relationship between those who um, give and the Lord is somehow providing the needs for the individual. This is true even in the New Testament when when Paul was like, when people were giving to the Paul, uh, were giving to Paul in 2 Corinthians, uh, the Lord still supplied their needs. Um, there's this connection that people think, oh, if I give, then I have no way to take care of myself. But God is saying, no, you will be taken care of because I will give to you. Um, and we even know in an eternal sense that uh, when we invest in things that have eternal significance, that we'll be rewarded by the Lord. Uh, we're going to have to give an account to the Lord on how we spend all of our, all the pennies that we have, all the dollars that we have. And if you care and do the way, things uh, the scripture commands, you'll be rewarded for it. Um, Proverbs 22, <clears throat> verse 9, it says, He who is generous will be blessed, for he gives some of his food to the poor. Uh, for he gives some of his food to the poor. Uh, the people that are blessed are generally those who care for those that are, are needy. Proverbs 28, 
Verse 27, he who gives to the poor will never want, but he who shuts his eyes will have many curses. And what's interesting about that is that a selfish person who doesn't give to the poor tend to be greedy. They'll always want, they're never content. Uh, but those who are constantly giving away the things that they have, they're constantly caring for the poor and have other people's uh, mindset, uh, have other people in, in mind, uh, they tend to be the most uh, content people. They tend to be most satisfied because they don't find their desire, how much money they have. They, they, they find it in, in serving and caring for other people. So how can we apply this in our context? Remember, the priority of the New Testament church is first we care for those in the church and then those outside the church. And the reason why I have to say that, because when there is some principles that overlap in, in the way Israel and the church is, is, is that when we're faithful to our own people, the world will want to be part of that. They want to see, what, why, do you, why would you care for someone that's poor in your own church? Um, is it because we love them? And, that's not to say, and that should bleed out into the, into the world as well. Um, but, that, but, you know, our priorities are those in the church. Every time you see in the New Testament when it talks about the poor, again, it's, or the widows or, those, or, or orphans, it's speaking of primarily those that are in the church first. Again, this doesn't dismiss those that are outside the church. It's just there's a priority there. So for us, we need to be generous to those uh, that don't have much in the church. And um, our church shouldn't have... Uh, just our church, although we have different age groups and different uh, like life stages, and even different like what amount people that have different amount of wealth, um, we should have a constant love to them, no matter where they're at. Um, there are going to be there is going to be a time, especially if this COVID nineteen continues, where people in our church will have a need. Um, even like early on, when this whole thing happened. I asked the admin team and people in our church, like, give me intel. Who in our church have lost their jobs and how can we monitor them to care for them if, if something comes up? If they need something, like, we're willing to care for uh, our members. Um, we want to, we understand that when uh, we, we want to follow God's command and, and showing his gracious hand to those that are, that are, that are you know, in the church. And we've been trying, and for the most part, people haven't asked us for anything, mainly because other people in church, you guys have just been caring for each other. Uh, you guys give, bring food for, uh, to each other. You guys like make meals for each other. That's great. Keep doing that. Uh, but again, if you have needs, please let us know. Uh, we see this principle in the New Testament, Acts chapter two. Let me reference a little bit earlier. Acts chapter two, verse 42 to 47. It reads that they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and uh, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone felt, a fe everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. They began selling their property and possessions, and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, and they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all those, with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day, uh, those who were being saved. So they cared for each other. They had this love for each other, and then the church grew because of it. And I know, again, if the opportunity comes. Uh, we all need to be generous to the poor. We should have an open heart and wallets to those that are poor in the church. And, and if the Lord has given us uh, resources to care for outside the church, we need to do, the, do that as well. If the Lord gives you the means and the desire to serve, you should be able to ser serve in this particular way. Uh, not only are we first to be kind to the poor and then be generous to the poor, uh, but lastly, we must have a concern for the poor. We must have a concern for the poor. 
Um, it sounds like kind of like, what shouldn't that be the first? Doesn't that sound similar to the first one? Somewhat, uh, but there's a different nuance to it. Uh, jump over to Proverbs 29, verse 7. Proverbs 29, verse 7 says this. Um, the righteous is concerned for the rights of the poor, and the wicked does not understand such concern. Um, this seems like we need to have some sort of social justice warrior, and that's actually not the case. Uh, There's actually more about the, the, the corruption of man and their lack of care for those that are poor, the powerless people that are poor. And again, in SF, in our time now especially, the poor are taken care of in a unique way. So it's not, when we think of poor, we think of people that have like absolutely nothing, like no social uh, netting or, or, or like soup kitchens or any of that. Uh, poverty was different from today. Uh, there are homeless shelters now. We have like soup kitchens for them, but back then it was, it was not like that. Um, and, and in the Old and New Testament, uh, they didn't have that. The church was a, the church and even Old Testament Israel was unique in that they have this, they made like rules and things to care for those that are in need. God gave the wealthy abundance so that they're able to care for both that are part of the camp and outside the camp. That's Old Testament. Um, the person that loves the Lord will be concerned for the poor. And notice the word righteous, which implies that this person is a believer and he stands before the Lord as a righteous individual. And the inverse is also true. A person who doesn't have any love, the person who loves himself, is probably someone that is not a believer. And this word concern here is in, is in the imperfect tense, which means it's a habit. It's a habit and a normal attitude for the wicked person to not have any care or pay any attention to those that are poor. Um, these are the people who only <clears throat> thinks life is about their own comfort instead of the comfort and um, uh, that people need in, in terms of uh, you know, material needs. There are people that are only self-centered. <clears throat> these are the kind of people that are wise with their own money, but uh, they don't care for those that are in need. The wicked has no understanding or interest in regards to the poor. So how are the righteous to be concerned for the poor? Well, again, we must understand that what it says here, understand such concern for the wicked in contrast with the righteous concern. It shows that there's a, <clears throat> a contrast in terms of affections. The righteous and the wicked differ, <clears throat> excuse me, they differ in their religious and ethical affections. The righteous involve himself in matters that affect the fate and future of the powerless because they recognize the preciousness of life. Uh, this goes back to the point I said earlier that the poor are made in the image of God. Um, there are no laws in our modern day that says like exterminate poor people. But if there is a law that says exterminate poor people, we as Christians need to be able to stand up and say, no, these people are made in the image of God. Um, again, this, this is because, again, uh, we love the Lord and we don't want people to get killed. Uh, that's Back then, the wicked people were like that. They had no desire for, uh, to care and they would make laws against them. Uh, they, they ensure that the poor was stayed out, away and there's no way for anyone to care for them. And again, that will, that's what make Christians, and even Old Testament Jews, unique in that they do have an affection for them, that they do care. Um, God shows compassion for the poor and that is what believers are to be also. This kind of concern involves time, study, and willingness to risk oneself's comfort uh, in confronting injustice that are directed at the poor. How, how are, are we this way? This is a question we ask, how are we acting in this way? In the church, we must never show favorites uh, to those that are wealthy. Like we should not say only people that can make X amount of dollars can be small group leaders or only X people that can make this amount of uh, money, they can stand in the front and be worship leaders. Um, no, uh, we don't do any of those things. We can't say like, um, 
we're not going to make like a rule that say like, okay, if you're poor, then you can only, uh, you can't handle the offerings, uh, but you can uh, maybe do welcoming outside or something like that. No, it's like, we don't care about these things. If there's is such a law like that, that's immoral to Lord. That's why James chapter two, I mean, going back to New Testament, James says, it instructs people to not be favor, show favorites in the church. They need to repent of that. Um, and especially in the context, they're favoring people to have, you know, have money. And I think the, the idea in James is that, People care for the wealthy because then the wealthy can give more to the church and then they can feel, oh, yay, like uh, we, ha- we do more ministry now. We can t- upgrade our systems and computers and all this tech. Uh, no, that's, that's, a, that's a wrong heart attitude. Whether they, have, um, uh, whatever, or whether they have a lot of money or very little money, the love that we have should be consistent. What about outside the church? And again, I don't think our culture, we have the same, it's, the same, it's, it's different in that way, but um, there may come a time where you need to care about individuals. And it starts with your own heart. I mean, what's your view of the poor people and how are you gonna care? Um, I think sometimes we get intimidated. We think that like uh, they're gonna hurt us and may, that might be so for some. And that's, I think, up to your own discretion. You need to be wise in uh, how you engage the world. Um, but our heart attitude should always not, we should always have this, um, have this love for them. Um, and we should be caring for those that are in need. Because again, our primary goal as individuals here on earth is not our own comfort but that the gospel is made known um and the lord may put individuals in your life uh whether they're rich or poor especially the poor um and you need to be able to love and care for them these are all ministry opportunities for you uh, we should be thinking uh, about how we can use all the resources we have to minister and evangelize to the poor um a mature christian has a concern for everyone and we should be the most sympathetic and compassionate group of people because God's concern uh, was first uh, onto us. And when Jesus tells us that the poor will always be with us, it means that poverty will never be eradicated in this fallen world, uh, which also means for us, we have an infinite amount of ministry opportunity in the world. We have, uh, because there's always going to be poor people, that means that we'll always have a ministry. There's always someone that is poor outside of the world uh, or in, uh, yeah, outside in the world that needs the gospel. And if you ever wonder how you can serve the Lord with your wealth, serving those people inside and outside the church is, is, is a good way to do that. You look at the needs of church. If there aren't, aren't any needs, cool, then look outside. Are there anyone outside of the church that you can um, expend your resource on in hopes that they can, you can have a gospel conversation to win them to Christ? Um, I do believe personally that if a, if a homeless person does repent and places their faith in the Lord, they will eventually understand um, their life is before the Lord and that they'll actually begin to work. I've seen this happen um, when I was at Grace. There were, at Grace, there was, um, we used to have these, uh, these, we used to have these, like, we used to have be friends with these convalescent homes, like, uh, not convalescent, like homeless shelters that are like nearby. And there was one particular guy, he was in prison for a while. He came out and um, he was living in one of these places. He started going to grace and we started um, pouring into him. And he started growing in, in his love for the Lord. He, eventually he starts just starts working hard. He understands like, okay, the whole work ethic is that if I don't work, I'm not gonna, I don't deserve to eat. So they change, their attitude changed because they know now that, they're, uh, that they live for the Lord. Now I do believe that uh, that can happen. Don't underestimate just because a person is poor that they can never change their life. The gospel can change them. Um, and the Lord can use us in that way that we can witness to them. And then when they come to saving faith and they are believers, now they're part of the church. We need to care for this individual. We need to do our best to ensure that uh, this person um, 
follows and knows God and then applies it to their life. And that's discipleship. And then, you know, the, and then and as the poor comes into church and they get saved, and that's how we're going to win people to the kingdom. Um, again, this is, uh, this is how Jesus taught, cared for us. He cared for the poor. He cared for the needy. And some of them stayed while others left. Um, again, Jesus cared more about their physical. He cared about their spiritual. Uh, it was the message of the gospel that mattered the most. He didn't do good things just to do it, but it's always a good thing to point uh, people to salvation. And that's what we need to do as well. When we do good deeds, when we care for the poor, it should always be with the intent of witnessing to them in hopes that they come to saving faith. Uh, we, may, we must be like Jesus, who, is ex, is he, who exemplifies maturity. Um, and he cared for the poor, he cared for the needies, and that's what we must do as well. If you want to minister to those outside the church, make sure that you use your money as a means to win people to Christ and, um, and that their poverty uh, won't truly end just because you give them money, uh, but that this is just a way for you to start a gospel conversation and invite them, not just to meal with you, but also with a meal with our king. Uh, this is actually one way we can invest in the future. The money that we have for a mature believer, they know how to use it um, to edify the saints and to evangelize the poor. A mature believer understands how to be kind to the needy. A mature believer knows how to be generous to the poor. And a mature believer is concerned for the less fortunate. That means that an immature believer is not kind to the poor. An immature believer is not generous to the poor. And an immature believer has no concern for those that are less fortunate. And I hope that as we go through this kind of survey, crash course through the Bible and trying to figure out all the uh, verses on, on the poor and how we need to engage them, um, that our hearts will be changed, that we view the poor both inside and outside the church differently, that we don't see them as a burden, but we see it as a privilege to be able to win, either win people to Christ or be an encouragement and blessing to those um, in the church as well. Let's close our time in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. And Lord, we, we ask for forgiveness if there are any moments in our lives where we um, are prejudiced or have a sinful attitude towards those that are less fortunate. Um, and may you humble us and make us realize that all that we have is from you. Um, that is not because necessarily because of uh, the works of our own hands, but because you give us the grace and the ability to do so. All that we have is yours, Lord. And we want to use uh, the resources, the time, and all that you've given us in hopes that people can either come to saving faith or be built up to love you more. Thank you for your kindness towards us. And may we extend that kindness to others as well. I pray these things in your son's name. Amen.